We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. There is a sweet presence of the Lord here this morning. I really believe you're here today and I'm here today because God intends to do something in our lives. Each one of us came with something in our lives that we needed. And God intends to fulfill that today. It's His good pleasure. It's His good pleasure to meet your need today. He rejoices and He's happy. He's joyous because He meets your need today. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. God bless you this morning. Please be seated. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship. Thank you, Tabernacle of Praise, for responding in worship. You know, the one thing God does not demand from us is worship. He does not demand it. God doesn't demand it. He doesn't require it. It's not a prerequisite to make it to heaven. And what God loves so much about our worship is that it's freely given. It comes from our heart. And it's, it's for Him and Him alone. It's not anything that we have to be pumped to do. It's something that we do simply because He is. Simply because He is. Hallelujah. If you're going to find God, you've got to first believe that He is. And He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And I feel like that's what you've done here this morning. You've diligently sought Him and sought after His Spirit. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. I'm going to give Jason a break this morning because i got to preach. <laughs> so Jason, you hold that for next week. Psalm 103. We're so blessed to have our guest with us today. Could we give our guest a tabernacle of praise welcome? Thank you so much. Some of you, are, I'm not feeling like your guests anymore, but I'm still giving you a... Psalm 103. Let's begin with verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, who satisfieth thy mouth. And I want you to see the last part of this. So that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. That's not Philadelphia. I got cowboy fans in here today, so I got to... In a Peanuts cartoon, Lucy demands that Linus change the TV channel. She threatens him with her fist if he didn't. What makes you think you can walk in here and take over Linus as his sister? She said, these five fingers, individually they're nothing. But when I curl them into a single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. Which channel do you want? asked Linus. Turning away, Linus looks at his fingers and says, why can't you guys get organized like that? 
1 Corinthians 12, verse 24 says, For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. Man, having given, and I got a chance, I got a spot, I got a shot. Having given more abundant honor to the part which, which lacked. That there should be no schism. That's, that's a split or a gap in the body. But that the members should have the same care for one another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. The body of believers as God's church can only move forward if we decide to move forward in unity. We just read it. If we decide that, you know what, if one gets the gratitude, all get the gratitude. If one suffers, we all suffer. When we get into unity, God is going to move us forward. Unity involves some soul searching, though. Unity involves a little soul searching. If you want to unify, you got to take a look at yourself. It involves some repentance. You know, when unity comes in, we have to look at our life and repent for not being unified. We have to look at some of the things that maybe we want to change. You know, some things you repent from aren't sin. Repentance means you're going this direction and you just do a 180. That's what the word actually means. So some things in your life, you just say, you know what? I'm going to do this, but now I'm going to do this because I want unity. I want to be involved in unity. So, so unity, it involves some repentance. And unity involves some submission. Not submission to pastor. Not submission, but submission to God. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God, not a pastor, not, not a church leader, not a bishop, not a Sunday school teacher, not an elder, not an usher. Submit yourself. So there's submission that's involved in unity. The one key that brings unity to the body and God's will into the purpose of the body, that, that there's a one key, and that is the sanctifying power of God's Word. We unify by the sanctifying power of God's Word. So let's read this text one more time. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that the youth is renewed like the eagles. I believe that's God's Word. I believe, say that with me, I believe that that's God's, let's go a little further. I believe this is God's Word for me. Uh-oh. Let's, I accept God's Word, and it's mine. Let that, that listen, that unif- I'm going to appropriate God's Word into my life today. I'm going to change. There's going to be unity in my life. Let's look a little closer at these five verses, if you would, with me. Just, just So, verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. That word bless in the Hebrew is barak. It means to kneel. To kneel. The writer here is saying, I will kneel. I will kneel to the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. I'll kneel to His holy name. So, Blessing the Lord with all my soul is an act of adoration to God. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. The Hebrew words for soul, nephesh, soul, it, it means breathing creature. And it refers to that non-physical part of you and I. 
the, in, the, the who we really are, our, our humanity, our, our mind, our will. That, that's the soul. And I'm going to bless the Lord with all of my mind and my will and who I am and how I think and my emotion, all of those things. Our fallen nature is a little different. Bless my soul, O oh my Lord, is the fallen nature. Not bless the Lord, O oh my soul, but bless my soul. That's a lot of church today. Instead of coming to the Lord and saying, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. It's bless my soul, O oh my Lord. And we have to understand something. The writer saying here is, listen, we have to bless Him. We have to kneel to Him. Verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul. Man, David seems to be onto something here. And forget not all His benefits. Have you ever looked at the benefits of God? I didn't say of serving God. Just the benefits of God. Because He made this whole thing. He controls this whole thing. Nothing has slipped by Him. He's not surprised. He's not worried. He's not fearful. There, man, what kind of benefit would you have? Let me, go, let me get a little carnal. If you took all the money you had and you gave it to an investor that controlled every bit of the money market, that controlled all of Wall Street, that had to say what stock went up and what, what if you gave your money to that person? Oh, wouldn't you feel a little bit, uh, I think I'm going to get a little filthy rich here because i got a guy that's got in control. Listen, you understand the benefit of God? He controls it all. As a, I'm a first-generation apostolic Pentecostal, whatever you call crazy, whatever you call it. I, in my family, I'm a first-generation of that. And the benefits of God are real important to me because from where I came from, I didn't understand what the benefits of God were. The only thing I understood was that God is mean, and you better get right or you're going to get left. That's what I understood about God, that he was, you know, he was waiting to catch me doing something so that he could get me. I didn't know there were benefits. But I, when I came into church, I wanted to have that benefit experience every single time I met with people in the church. Man, I wanted to see the Holy Ghost move, seeing people filled with the Holy Ghost, seeing people healed and seeing people delivered. Man, I wanted that every time I walked in that building. The benefits. I saw it because I could see the truth of God happening before my very eyes. I had not experienced. Some of you have experienced this all your life, not Pastor Don. I didn't, I didn't see that as a young man. But I've seen some older folks who've experienced those things just like me in the past, and I'm an older folk now, that have experienced those things and have become content with the memory of those long-ago experiences. It was just they're getting ready, you know. I look at some, some, not all, but some older folks that's been in it. Older doesn't mean age. It means how long I've been connected with Jesus Christ. And I've been connected with Him for 40 years now, going on almost 40 years. And, and I've noticed there are some that have been connected with Him long like that, that they, they feel like I'm getting closer to home. So, uh, you know, I don't want to prolong the time. I just want to get there. And so they kind of, mmm, slow down. But listen, church, when, when we come before God, I, I want to show you something in the Scripture that David's showing us. We don't ever want to, mmm. That's called complacency. Complacency. And that's not what the Lord intended for anybody in His church. 
God never intended for any of us, no matter what our age, to become complacent. Complacency, it saps energy. You have a thriving team working together and put a complacent person in it, and it starts taking the energy from what they're trying to do because they're trying to pick up the sagger. They're wasting energy trying to pull the sagger up. Complacency dulls attitudes. Everybody has a great attitude, and you see that one guy that gets in there, and he's like, oh, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, maybe. You know, it, it's, it pulls away from a great attitude. Complacency drains the brain. It drains, when you become complacent, especially in God, it drains your mind. The first symptom, if you want to know if you're complacent or not, I'm not going to stand here and tell you. I'm not going to point you out, nothing like that. But the first symptom is satisfaction. Oh, but we're supposed to be satisfied. And all it got you, we're never to be satisfied with where we're at, not where God. Always be satisfied where God's at. Always be satisfied where he's at. Never be satisfied where you're at. We need to push for. If you're satisfied where you're at, you've become complacent. We need to reach higher. There are, there are more things for you. I don't care how long. I've been in the church almost 40 years. There's so much more for me. I can't sit back and go, oh, yeah, I'm getting close to the end. There's much more. What's the, uh, what I've seen, in, I've seen a man raised from the dead. Some of you have too. Well, what's next? What's, what's next? I want to come next week thinking this in my mind. What's next? Is, what else is going to happen? What's going to happen at Tabernacle of Praise? Who, what blessing is going to hit some? What's going to happen in somebody's life? Who's going to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Whose life's going to be changed? Who's going to be healed? I want to have that expectation every week. The second symptom, and this is one you've got to grab a hold of, is the rejection of things that might be or might become. We don't like change. And when we don't like change, we reject things. When they Have changed, things changed here in Tabernacle of Praise? Sure they have. Let's hope they keep changing. There's nothing wrong with change if God's in it. There's nothing wrong with change if God's in it. Man, did the disciples' life change? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, bam, their life changed. All of a sudden, 120 people that were in the upper room, their life was turned upside down. It was so turned upside down, later on in Acts, it said they went around turning the whole world upside down. That's how much their life changed. But if, if you reject things that are to come, I have a problem with some of the modern-day songs, but that's not the people's problem. That's not the worship people's problem. That's not issues with our worship team at all. That's Pastor Don's problem. Because I don't care for certain songs doesn't mean they're not great songs, that they don't worship the Lord. That's Pastor Don's problem. And that's the things we've got to understand about our lives. We have to understand. And look, listen, don't reject what God's in. Don't reject what God's in. You're going to miss something real good. Complacency. That's, and that's not what God wants. He doesn't want that for us. Complacency makes people fear the unknown makes you fear when you fear the unknown that's a normal thing about us humans isn't it we fear the unknown it also makes us distrust th things that are new not only do we fear the unknown but when something new comes in, i don't know about that i'm not sure about that here's what complacency is like it's just like water complacent people follow the easy course 
water never goes downhill or uphill. It goes downhill. When you pour it, it's going to find that position and go downhill. Complacent people, that's where they go. They go downhill. Their only strength comes from looking back. You ever said, man, I wish we had services like the old days? I've said that before. I wish we had services. Is there anything wrong with that? That's a good saying. Just don't believe that. Just don't believe it. You're never going to have a service like you used to have. That's never going to happen again. It's never going to happen again. The leaves on the trees that fall here today, they're never, ever going to fall like that ever again. They'll fall next year, but not just like they did this time. It'll be different. It's okay if it's different. If God's in it, it's okay. Some of you are worried about where I'm taking y'all. I can tell. We're looking forward at Tabernacle of Praise. We're looking forward at Tabernacle of Praise. We're looking forward, not back. Forward. Look at the benefits. You know, David describes some benefits here. Look, look at verse 3. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. All thine iniquities. What are iniquities? Hmm. Iniquities. A lot of us say sin and leave it at that. And it involves sin. But iniquities are your tendencies to sin. Iniquities and sin are not the same thing. Sin is the thing you do. Iniquity is your tendency to do it. And God forgiveth, we, God forgives our sins. Hallelujah. But not only that, He forgives, forgives our tendencies to want to do that. Man, what a benefit. What if He held that over our head? What if He held it over your head that, yeah, you have a tendency to do this? And I'm watching you. I got my eye on you. And if you do it, zap, it's coming. Get ready. You're going to get cancer. Get ready. I'm going to break a hip. Get ready. I'm going to snap your ear off. What if God was like that? But He's not. He forgives the tendency, that sinful nature, by the way, which is your biggest enemy. You, you have three enemies, Satan, the world, and your flesh. Of these three, the Scripture says, your flesh is your biggest enemy. You are your biggest enemy. Not the devil, quit blaming him. Not the world, quit blaming them. It's you. It's me. But God forgives the tendencies of me. He forgives those. Who heals our diseases. I, I read something a writer, F.F. F. Bosworth, said. He said, your level of faith to receive from God is directly connected to your assurance that God wants to heal you. So why don't this happen? Why don't that happen? Your level, your level, your level of faith to receive from God connects with the assurance that you believe He wants to do it. Uh, I've heard some guys preach, you know what? God has to do this because He said it. He's forced to do it because He said it. He's required to do it because He said it. None of that is true. God does it because He is it. He is the healer. He's not required to heal you. When God shows up, how many times do we chase a healing and we never chase down the healer? He's the healer. We don't have, all we have to do is approach Him, come to Him. But we're too busy chasing the blessing rather than the blessor. We've got to understand something. What we get from God largely believes, does he, do we really believe He wants to do it? And the Bible says it's His good pleasure. Have you ever thought about God having pleasure? Because we, we think God's above that. 
you know, pleasure is for humans, and we've got to have that to make it through our life at times. God's good pleasure is to meet your need. God gets pleasure out of meeting. When God meets your need, God, there's something in God that He gets pleasure out of it. We don't like to think of that, that because pleasure is an emotion. Pleasure is an emotion. And a lot of times we don't like to think about God as being emotional. That's okay. We, you know, this is real. Name an emotion. Anger. Did God get angry? Huh? Anger of God was kindled against Israel. Name another emotion. Greatest emotion you can think of. Love. Well, love is not a, not, it's not a factor of God. God is love. We need to understand something about God. And understand where God... He heals us because that's who He is. Not what He... It's who He is, not what He is. Who redeemed your life from destruction. The word David uses here for redeem is a reference to the kinsman redeemer. And the kinsman redeemer was the next of kin who pays the price so that the family line can continue on. They're, they're, a, they're a relative, if you will, that pays the price because the person has passed and there needs to be a redeemer, a kinsman redeemer, to pay the price so that that lineage can continue on. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. What, what's a crown? Who crown, crown, what's a crown? What do you think of a crown? I think of a king. You see, yeah, put the king... Yeah, that's what I think of as a crown. So it's the deal that fits on top of the head because it's the highest point of your body. Everybody can see it. He crowns you. Everybody can see it with loving kindness and tender mercies. Lamentations 3 says this. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Because He's merciful, He doesn't consume us. Because His compassion failed not. Uh, this is the part I, I highlighted this for me. They are new Every morning, His mercy and His compassion, not consuming me for who I am and what I am. It's because His mercies every morning, yesterday was yesterday. When I woke up this morning, His mercy was new for me this morning. Brand new. His compassion, brand new. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. God is faithful every day to renew those mercies and that compassion every single morning. Verse 5 is where I want to hit here. This is where I want to go. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. Satisfies means to fill the satisfaction. The word translated mouth here in the Hebrew literally means ornaments or decorations. We think it means this. But the word literally translates ornaments, decorations. Your mouth is an ornament, a decoration that reveals what's in your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, of the, heart the mouth speaketh. That's what David's saying here. Your, your mouth is an adornment. It's a... It's a, whatever comes out of it. And that's what we wanted. When you, are, when you address God with praise and worship and all that, it's the adornment. It's the decoration to God about how you feel about Him. It's that ornament. What do you think of when you think of an ornament? It's coming up. Christmas. And we have all those little ornaments. We have our kids make ornaments. And we have a favorite ornament. And we have this particular ornament that goes on the top. All of those things. Think about all that. God said, I want to adorn you with ornaments. Your mouth is that ornament that when it speaks praise. His desire is to satisfy your heart with good things. 
not only does God want to satisfy you, he wants to satisfy your heart. See, one of the problems we have as humans is we're seeking satisfaction. You know why people do certain things? They want to be satisfied. There's a reason a person has problems, gets stone drunk or stone high, wherever they want to get. There's a reason that they want to get satisfied. They want to get satisfied of not having the problem. If I'm stone drunk or I'm high, I'm, the problem's not involved. It satisfies my need right then, but there's a problem. You either sober up or you lose your high. Not only now do you have your problems, you've added another problem. You've added another problem. So God wants to, to, to the, the thing that you're looking for today, the thing to satisfy your heart today, let God satisfy it. He'll satisfy, well, you know, God can't be my wife or husband. Sure, He can. Sure, God can't be my mom or dad. Sure, He can. God can't be my friend or my relative. Sure, He can. Well, that takes place if my husband, maybe it does. Let's see. I, I could ask my wife this, but I'm afraid she'd answer true. Who would you rather have as your husband, me or God? Yeah, anybody said me, man, you, you better get at this altar quick. God will give you all of those. He wants, it's his desire. Now, let's take a close look at verse 5, because this is where I want to go. Verse 5. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. When Caleb, remember, <coughs> pardon me, Caleb and Joshua, when Caleb was 85 years old, he was ready to go to fight in a battle to gain more territory. Brother Terry, you mind me asking, how old are you? 83. Well, Caleb was two years older than you, and he was ready to go fight. He was ready to go into battle. He was he, there was more territory for him that God had promised him. And he was ready, 80. Joshua 14, 11 says, I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. Moses sent the, the spies out. And he said, I'm as strong today at 85 as I was when Moses said, get going. I'm, I'm just as vigorous to go to battle now, now that I was then. Wow, at 85. Man, I'd like, I hope I'm alive at 85. Does that mean he was still in the same physical condition? that he was at 85, that he was at 45. No, it doesn't. The word vigorous means possessing vigor, full of physical or mental strength or active force. That's what it means. Being vigorous is not a state of physical attribute. It's a state of mind. It's a state of heart. That's what vigorous is about. It's not a state of physical attribute. It's a state of mind. I have met some very vigorous people that are in their 90s but put me to shame with what they remember and how they can solve problems. It's because they've kept vigor. They've challenged their mind. They've kept things moving and rolling. Your vigor for the things of God, your desire to serve Him and seeking His power to work in the church, that's what He wants to renew in you. Being vigorous so He can renew your mind. The Scripture tells us to be renewed in our mind. Why? That's where the vigor is. Yeah, I know a lot of you studs. Y'all thought, yeah. I can tell you where the vigor is. Nope. 
It's right all up here. Now, look at this. He said, like the eagles. Like the eagles. The eagle is one of the most majestic birds there is. Yet something happens to every eagle in their life, and it's called the molt. Some eagles live up to about 30 years of age. At some point, they begin in molt. They lose their feathers. Their beaks become very calcified and brittle and hard. Their talons begin to break off, and their eyesight begins to fail. Eagles can be miles up in the air and see rats move. I can be 10 from you, 10 feet from you, and not see you go, excuse me. I know because some of you have told me. The very things that always sustain the eagle are now at this point in molt, failing them. They lose their appetite, and they're only going to eat any kind of fresh meat that can be given them. In some cases, other eagles that are molting begin to peck on those that are molting with them and actually kill them. It's kind of like chickens. If you, if, you ever, if you ever had chickens, if one chicken ever gets a spot on their head, Look out, you better get that chicken out of the pen. The other chickens are going to see that spot and peck it and peck it and peck it and peck it until they kill that chicken. They, they think it's a bug. They think it's something. Eagles do the same thing. They will peck and peck and peck and sometimes kill the other eagle. But there's something that's miraculous that takes place in this molt process. As the weakened eagles lose their ability to fly, other eagles who have passed through the molt process already find a place for the eagle that's in molt in a valley. And they take that eagle and lead them to this place in this valley so that they're out of harm's way from these other molting eagles. They, place them to a, they take them to a place that's high up and on a rock. It's a place where the sun can shine on them, and the sun gives them, and it's a benefactor to them physically. As they lie on the rock and absorb the sun, other eagles see them, and they begin to drop fresh meat that they've caught to those molted eagles that are on those rocks because those eagles can't get food. So the other eagles that have already passed through that and know what that's about, drop that meat down there, and these eagles that are laying on the rocks can eat. It's never a younger eagle that brings the meat. They haven't passed through the molt. They don't get it. It's those that have passed through the molt that understand what this is about, that come to the weakened eagle. That's why he said here, so that thy youth is renewed. Like God wants to renew your youth today. There's a youth in you that's still there. Maybe some of you just going through molt spiritually. And God's ready. He's ready to renew in you that youth. The eagles become weaker and weaker and weaker. And there's this sound that comes from the skies. These molted eagles are laying there as they get weaker. And the sound is from those eagles that have passed through molt. They're squawking and they're screeching and they're yelling down at the other eagles, encouraging them to eat, encouraging them to get strength. Some of the eagles eat. Some of them roll over and die. Not all of them make it. Listen, we all need encouragement at times, don't we? We all need it. First Thessalonians 5 and 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you're doing, he says. Secondly, here's the other part of the eagle situation. Those eagles would drop the meat. Those eagles would screech and, and, and yell at them to get strong and eat. But there was a second part. It was that the molting eagles had to respond to the encouragement. 
And a lot of times in church, when you need encouragement and people are encouraging you, the only reason that you're not being lifted back up, you're not responding to the encouragement. You need to respond to some encouragement today. Maybe you're in that mold. Maybe you're in that place that you need to be lifted up. Be lifted up, but, it, but respond to it. Be a part of it. What these eagles do when they eat and they feel a little more healthy is they start scratching their claws on the rock until that old brittle claw breaks off and a new one's already growing out. The, the life of the eagle is not over in molt. It's just beginning. Not only that, they will peck their beaks on there until the calcium deposits break off so that their beak is now pliable and flexible. It's new. So, it's not to just sit there and die. They help themselves. Listen, if you're in a need today, if you need to be encouraged, don't sit there until you die. You remember the five, four guys? Why sit we here till we die? If we sit outside of here, we're going to starve to death. If we run inside, the army's going to kill us. Why are we? Either way, we're going to die. What are we doing sitting here till we die? Let's take a shot. Take a shot today. Take a shot of encouragement today. And don't sit there till you die. Take a chance. But the greatest thing the eagle does to benefit itself while in this state of molting is that that spot that's chosen for them, they make their way on top of this rock until they find the greatest place where the sun shines on them most of the day. They bathe in the presence of the sun. And it gives them strength. And it brings their body back. We all need to be encouraged. We, but but we, listen, we all have to make a decision today. If you need his encouragement, you're going to make a decision today. You're going to be encouraged and you're going to respond. You're going to come up and encourage someone. Or you're going to roll over and die. But something's going to happen here today. If we bask in the sunlight of the sun, listen, his, his light is here today. You, you know why darkness doesn't comprehend light? It doesn't comprehend light because it's the abstract opposite. Darkness doesn't understand light. Any more reason why that when you flip the light on in here, it doesn't stay dark. It can't be dark where there's light. It can't be. And so understand this today. We, we've got to bask in the light. Now, let, let me sink something into you, church. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But what did he say about the church? He said, you're a city on a hill. He said, you are the, go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it loud. You're the light of the world. You understand, God wants you to bask in the church today. He wants you to bask together with one another today. I know there's COVID going on. I've been questioned about that. What are you doing having everybody come to the altar and get that close together? We're basking in the light of Jesus Christ. You're a foolish pastor. Absolutely. I'm foolish for him. I don't have a problem with it. If you do, I understand. If you don't, I totally understand that. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think I'm right. I don't think that I've got a greater spiritual than you. Nothing like that. Just understand that I'm pretty simple. I'm pretty simple. I, I just, God, God's going to handle it. If Pastor Don gets COVID, well, one or two things is going to happen. I'm going to overcome it and brag about it. Look what Jesus did. Or I'm going to go say, hey, Jesus. 
I've been waiting for this day for 40 years. I, I know I got family waiting on me. They're having a party and all that stuff because I'm gone. But oh, no, they're supposed to be crying. But they'll be having a party. Trust me. Either way, I'm the winner. Either way, I'm the winner. One more time as we stand. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not His benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, healeth all thy diseases, redeemeth thy life from destruction, crown thee with loving kindness, tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things. And this is the part I like, because old Pastor Don is finding out he's getting old. Y'all, I can't do what I used to do ten years ago. Some of the things I can't do five years ago, I can't do. I know I'm getting old, but that's the physical state of Pastor Don. I want to be like renewed like the eagles. I want to be, you know, I may, I may be going through a molt physically, but guess what? God's wanting to restore me in my spirit. He wants to restore me. Remember what you were like, Don, when you came in, you couldn't wait to get to church and you wanted to be the first one there and the last one there and you wanted to pray with everybody and you wanted to, remember all that? Yeah, well, you know what? It's renewal time. You remember when you got there, how excited you were because, man, what an experience. Remember how you were in a dead, dull church for 23 years? I didn't attend it that much, but it was dead and dull when I did attend it. Maybe it was dead and dull because I was attending. That could be it. But you know what? When God filled me with the Spirit, oh, did things ever change. I was excited. I was looking around at church, waiting to see. I know somebody in here wants the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And as quick as I can get over there, I'm going to pray with them. It was just, I was having fun. I was having, God wants you to, listen, where did the fun go? You ought, we ought to be having fun here. God ex- wants us to have fun in His church. The, the most fun people in this world, the most happy and rejoiceful and exciting people ought to be church people. Man, how many in the world can say they saw somebody healed, delivered, saved? How many in the world can say nobody? Man, we ought to, whoo. I'm going to tell you all something. I need you today. I need you. I'm the part, the body, that it said, you know, there's some parts of the body, there's really no need for it, but it's just hanging around. It's just there. I'm that part. I need you today. But guess what? You need me too. To complete this as a full body, every part of us needs to be in it. So whatever part of the body you think you are, or whatever part of the body you really are, is immaterial. Because we all suffer together, but we all rejoice together. Members in particular, the whole body of Christ. This altar here is a place where you can be ministered to. Now listen, you can be ministered to in your seat. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It's just, an, I've noticed after being, it took me 40 years, but I've noticed after being in church for 40 years, that when people make an effort to come down to an altar, they're, making, they're saying something to God. First they're saying to God, listen, I don't care what anybody else thinks. Because you're ministering to me, and I'm ministering to you. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless your holy name. That's why I'm coming down to that altar. Because I know when I do that, there's something going to happen. When you come to God, and you come towards God, and you walk towards God, isn't that right, Eliezer? When you come towards God, something's going to happen? It has to happen. There's no doubt about it. Something's going to happen. 
So I'm opening these altars. If, if you want us to pray with you, if you have a need, just come stand right in front of this. If, if nobody has a need, we can just pray together in this altar. But we'll be glad to pray with you. There's strength in numbers here today. There's strength. We, pastors get knocked for wanting numbers. Numbers are people, souls, body parts of the body. So if you, if you want to be prayed for, you just come stand here. God is going to do something in your life today. The worst that's going to happen, listen to me, and I know I'll shut up. The worst that's going to happen here today is you're going to, your youth is going to be renewed in you like the eagles. That's the worst thing that's going to happen to you in this altar this morning. You're going to get a renewal, a renewed spirit, a youthful a youthful Christian. Well, nothing like a young Christian. You can't shut them up. You can't sit them down. You can't stop them. Just get out of their way. Because, man, they're tearing it up. Anybody's game. They're going to find anybody to tell them about Jesus. What if we had that youthful resurgence today? It's right here. God's ready. Worship team, lead us in worship now. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.